Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 6th. In the year of our Lord, 2023, this is our one of two in the goal always to use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers as the supreme law of our land. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. We have got an incredible show today. Uh, we've got myself and Dr. Scott Bradley always together on Mondays and Fridays. But this time we've got Sheriff Richard Mack in the mix. He's with us quite frequently, usually on Tuesdays, though. But because of the special broadcast, he's with us today as well. And he will introduce our surprise award-winning guest as well, Sheriff Mack. Well, good morning, Sam, and good morning, everybody. And thanks for having me this beautiful Monday morning. You got it. We're looking forward to it. We've got, uh, man, there's so many things in the news to discuss, but this one I think kind of trumps them all. And Trump's not even involved, Sheriff Mack. <laughs> yeah, for once. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, do you want me, you want me yes, to go please. ahead and do the honor? Well, I uh, was looking in the news and uh, had several emails from other people about uh, this news from uh, – a, a, a small town sheriff in Wisconsin. And uh, we've actually talked before in the past and, and uh, I called him and uh, he reminded me that we had talked to because his election was an amazing thing. And we'll have him explain that too. But basically uh, he just uh, standing up to the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and uh, telling them that he is not going to go along or enforce these new rules that they're making as if they can pass legislation anytime they want uh, as a bureaucratic nightmare from Washington, D.C. They have no legislative authority, and uh, that's the problem with Washington, D.C. these days. And Sheriff Brent Watt from Polk County, and I believe that's right on the – Minnesota border, uh, so he's on the east, uh, west side of uh, of Wisconsin, and uh, I'm sure he's a big uh, Green Bay Packers fan. But regardless of that, I'm a fan of his, and I and I just want everybody to understand this. This is another sheriff in America, uh, and there's uh, plenty more than just him. But this is a very unique one because he's actually telling the federal government. There's just a few things you're not going to do in my county, and I'm not going to go along with you trying to do it. And so uh, I want to introduce to everybody in America uh, a, a true uh, sheriff doing his job, trying to keep his oath of office, and, and standing uh, for the people uh, and the constituents that put him into office. And Sheriff Walk, welcome to the Liberty Roundtable. Well, thank you. And I can't really say it's a beautiful day in northern Wisconsin right now because we're supposed to get some freezing rain and snow today. Oh, well, uh, I was 
I was looking outside when I said that, and Arizona is sunny and uh, going to be 68 today. And for me in Utah, it's freezing cold as well. Dr. Bradley, what's the low today or this morning? It's freezing cold here. Well, we're in a banana belt right now. I mean, we're getting into the 20s. Uh, let me see what it is right this second. But um, it's, yeah, it's in the 20s now. I've got snow going on. But uh, honestly, this has warmed up considerably from what we've been talking about lately. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, there was there's, extreme there's cold when the weather balloon blasted through. For some reason, I wonder if there's a correlation. Nevertheless, that <laughs> supposed Chinese communist weather balloon uh, blasted through, and so did the freezing cold when it left and got shot down. The cold changed, too. I find that an interesting correlation. Don't know if there's any facts, but I find that uh, fascinating. Uh, so, Sheriff Walk, your county's got about 45,000 people in it, right? Right, yes. We are situated on the western border of Wisconsin, and I'm only about 30 miles, 40 miles from Minneapolis. So we're a, we're a really nice tourist vacation-type county. We've blessed with a lot of lakes, and we've got the National Scenic River that is our border. So um, we, I'm really blessed to, to live in what I call God's country up here. Is this where you grew up? Um, I grew up close to here, about an hour away. But uh, this is where I started my law enforcement career, and uh, it's been an absolute fabulous ride. All right, give us a 30-second on who you are as a person and then how you got into law enforcement. Well, I, I went to college at UW-Stevens Point, and I, I always wanted to pursue natural resource law enforcement. And unfortunately, when I got out, there were no jobs in that area, the DNR-type jobs. Uh, it just was in a difficult budgetary time, and they weren't hiring. So I landed on my feet here at Polk County Sheriff's Office and started working and never looked back. It just uh, absolute... Uh, the life of a deputy sheriff is is special, uh, different than, you know, I worked at a small police department for a while, too, and I just, there's nothing like being a deputy sheriff. Uh, and how long uh, has been your uh, law enforcement career, and then how long have you been sheriff now? I've got about 28 years in, and I was elected to sheriff four years ago, and now I'm just starting now my second term. So I'm uh, I'm 51 years old. This next term will take me to 55, and I guess I'm approaching that age where retirement might be on the table. So we'll see. No guarantees. As long as we can get, as long as we can get another constitutional sheriff in your wake, we're for it, sir. Certainly, certainly. <laughs> All right. Now tell, well, us, quick, tell us how this tell us how this came to a head. Let's let's kind of just jump right to it. How did this kind of materialize and come to a head where you started to get headlines, sheriff? Well, wait, wait a minute, Sam. One other thing about his background. Uh, Sheriff, in your most recent election, that's the one where you won by one vote. Is that correct? No, actually, I, I was unopposed on my last election. And I kind of joke with people and say it's because nobody wants the jobs anymore. But um, I, I have a pretty strong strong base here in Polk County, and I've, I've really been a voice for our citizens through COVID. And, and like I say, I was blessed to have a an unopposed race, which is, is much easier on the pocketbook and, and your time as well. I could focus on the job, continuing to do the job. So I had a pretty easy easy race this last year. Well, when was the one where it was really close? Uh, four years ago, I, I had a primary because, again, we're pretty, pretty much a staunch Republican county here. So um, it was me and another Republican running, and I, I, I won by about 200 votes. It was pretty close. But again, in our primaries, we don't see a big voter turnout. You know, it's an August election. Most people don't think of going to vote in August. So I think there was only a few thousand votes cast uh, for that primary election. Oh, okay. And then you didn't have any competition after that? 
Great. Okay, good. All right. Well, then, uh, yeah, Sam, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, let's jump right in, though. How did this come to a head for you, sir? Well, I'm a passionate Second Amendment guy. I, I collect guns. I go to gun shops throughout our county. We have several. I, I attend gun shows, and I'm, I'm pretty well-versed in, in firearms. And I learned that the ATF was going to restrict these pistol braces. And when I say restrict, that's pretty uh, light language. I mean, they're actually going to make you a felon if you don't comply with their new rule change. And, you know, I know a lot of people have these. This is not some obscure device. For over 10 years, they allowed us to buy these. In fact, the early ones came with a letter from the ATF giving their blessing for you to do, do this and have this firearm. And some of the manufacturers sold them from the factory with this device on them. And now with the strike of a, a pen with some bureaucrat in Washington, um, there's the potential to label a lot of people felons. And that, that is a massive government overreach. And now, I just felt... Let's be clear for a second. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to be clear so people know what these pistol braces are. And kind of explain what they are because a lot of people think, oh, man, they're just, hey, it's going to turn your pistol into a machine gun like a whatever or it's this or that. Help people understand. We're not talking about that at all, right? Right. It, it, what it allowed you is to take a take, take the AR-15, for example, a 10-inch barrel AR-15. You could put this rubberized, molded, stocked piece on. It resembled a stock, but it was made to be a stabilizing arm brace so that it allowed people with disabilities to fire the gun easier. And there was this controversy because people started shouldering the weapons. And again, that was reviewed and said, well, that doesn't change what the design is and what the intent is on how you hold the gun. So it, it made it through that legal test. And like I say, for over 10 years, people have been able to either buy this as an accessory or buy the gun complete with it already attached. The point is, we're talking about a simple rubber piece added uh, to a firearm. Uh, whether it changes the nature of the firearm to be uh, usable by somebody with a disability, whether somebody can use it at their shoulder, those things are irrelevant downstream discussions from the right to keep and bear arms, and then sh that shall not be infringed, whether I have a rubber piece on it or not, Sheriff. Right. And in, in with the with the rule proposal to have to register it as a short barrel rifle, well, that, that puts that gun into a whole different category and a whole new set of restrictions where, as a border county, I can't have that thing in my car and cross the river to go put gas in my car or I've now transported in a, an NFA weapon across state lines, and that's prohibited. So um, it really does restrict what the intent of the weapon was designed for. And it also, like in our state, a pistol can be loaded in your vehicle for, for defense purposes, but a rifle cannot be. A rifle has to be unloaded. So if I have to register this as a short-billed rifle, now I can't have it in my vehicle loaded. It has to be unloaded. So it really does change the, the intent, what people bought these for, and what they've enjoyed for 10-plus years utilizing these guns as. Uh, Sheriff Mack, I claim they're just playing games here. Whether I have a rifle or a pistol, the supreme law of our land doesn't make the distinction at all of what I can have loaded in my car, does it, Sheriff Mack? No, uh, federal agencies, especially a bureaucracy of this nature, which, and I'm going to tell the truth here, I really don't know how Chef Walk feels about this, but I, I have a suspicion uh, he'd be in line with this. But uh, the Second Amendment means what it says, and the Second Amendment shall not be infringed, does not say, and the federal government shall establish a bureaucracy to oversee gun ownership by every single person in this country or to uh, oversee and monitor every single FFL 
federal firearm licensee and gun shop in this country. And it, because of their uh, over overreach regarding uh, their the existence of this bureaucracy, uh, they get very technical and they get very officious and they just uh, go out of control uh, a lot on the overreach. And this is what happens. They start making criminals out of law-abiding citizens. And uh, the the startling thing about this is this, the, the bulk of the people who use this device uh, are veterans or people who have uh, some sort of disability, and especially veterans who have risk their lives for our country, and then we bring them home and say, but if you get this device to help you uh, be able to shoot a gun better and and uh, easier, uh, then we'll make you a felon. And uh, that's about what's going on here. Um, isn't that about what's going on, uh, Sheriff Walk? Absolutely. You have a federal agency that told us for 10 years we could have this, and now 10 years later they say, oh, we changed our mind, and now you'll be a felon if you don't dispose of it, change it, alter it, or register it. And ethically in law enforcement, I, I almost view that as a form of entrapment. You've told people they could have this. You waited till there's now 40 million people, they estimate. Uh, and now, hey, we got you. You're a felon in 120 days if you don't do what we tell you. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. And this is why I don't, I don't believe the, the BATF has any lawful authority to, to exist. And this is the kind of thing they do. And so it's just another another federal agency that has proved themselves to be uh, anti-American, anti-Second Amendment, and out of control. Dr. Scott Bradley is our constitutional expert on your radio. Sheriff Walk is basically talking about, hey, this is kind of an entrapment scenario that they've created here at the general level. Do you want to respond to that, Dr. Bradley? Well, there's so many rabbit holes we could take this down right now, and I don't want to uh, diverge from anything. We've got an intelligent, articulate guy that's in the office right now, and uh, I think that he uh, he's framed the argument very well. <clears throat> I would perhaps add a, a few dozen other things if we had time and energy. I mean, the, the uh, ability to legislate at all is limited to the legislature. That cannot be redelegated to anybody. They say, oh, it's a rule or it's a policy. No, if it looks like a law, acts like a law, is enforced like a law, quacks like a dog, whatever, it's it's a law that was created unconstitutionally by an alphabet soup organization that does not have a constitutional authority to exist. And uh, there's there's issues of ex post facto things that out of Article One, Section Nine. Here's here's something that was legal yesterday and now it's illegal, and you've got to take kind of a draconian approach to this thing. You either toss it out in the garbage or you have to go through all their hoops and pay their money and live by the their new way to hold your mouth if you're going to operate with this thing. I mean, it is just absurd. I think, well, here's another one that we ought to play. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody wants to go down this rabbit hole. I personally almost feel this is a grand opportunity. Now, it seems to me like it's time for the 1934 National Firearms Act to be declared unconstitutional. And we could go through the history of why people think it was constitutional by a really fallacious ruling that happened in the Miller case. And uh, if you read that carefully, you'll find that uh, there's a whole bunch of assumptions that are drawn from that that aren't, aren't warranted. So I think, honestly, this should be pursued that way and, and uh, result in the 
declaration that the National Firearms Act has always been unconstitutional, and let's get rid of the whole blasted thing. One other little quick thing, and then I'll shut up for a while. You know me, Sam. I've always got a talkative streak in me, but fact of the I, matter understood. is, uh, Sheriff, yeah. Sheriff Walk, I, I want to go to this real quick and, and, and talk about the points made here. It is de facto. Uh, it is causing uh, problems for we, the people. There is no jurisdictional authority whatsoever. So I gr- I'm grateful for your leadership and your stand. You're basically saying, hey, you know what? Go pan sand. We're not doing this. Uh, are you uh, supported by a bunch of other sheriffs in your state? Well, this is pretty newly developing, so I have not talked to many of the sheriffs yet. But, you know, um, I I had this unique opportunity when I penned this letter to the director of the ATF that my U.S. Congress representative was in my county at a listening session. So I was able to give him the letter, read it to the crowd, and then I asked him to hand deliver my letter to the director of the ATF. So um, that's how this kind of got started for me. And I wrote a I wrote a letter telling the ATF we we won't stand for this we won't enforce this. And it's over. I'm just for the I'm for the abolition of the ATF entirely though. There's no constitutional authority whatsoever for that uh, organization to exist. Is there? Well, this is frustrating. And like my uh, congressperson Tom Tiffany, who's by the way a great American congressman, who also I I was able to travel to the Arizona border last year and see firsthand the debacle down there and that's getting off topic i realize that but anyway um what an opportunity for me though to make sure my letter gets taken to washington because my fear was if i dropped it in the mail you know it's like anything the the director's probably not even going to see it so to have a congress official deliver this um, i'm really excited about and i have yet to hear back from the atf on this um and it's clearly unconstitutional it's unconstitutional on so many avenues we could go down like they say the rabbit holes there, there's there's too much regulatory authority for this one entity to have. There's no checks and balances. There is not any legislative process. You, you know, Mack? also, I've, I'll go ahead, Dr. Bradley, then Sheriff Mack. Okay, I, I was going to throw the ball to Sheriff Mack here in just a second. 26 years ago in 1997, Mack sued uh, Bill Clinton and the U.S. government, and, and uh, there was a a magnificent decision made, and it didn't just have to do with you doing background checks, uh, Mac. I uh, this thing is a much broader perspective. The uh, uh, Supreme Court was wise in its decision in saying, "No, you use guys at the uh, general level of the government, the national government, federal government, however people want to discuss it. You don't have any authority to direct the activities of a local authority. In this case, a sheriff." So you can't come in and commandeer their whole operation and say, okay, you guys, you're coming out to uh, uh, help enforce some inane thing. In this particular case, it was a uh, it was the uh, background check for being able to purchase a firearm. And that has implications and ramifications all across the board. They cannot come in and just willy-nilly say, okay, now we're using you guys as our enforcement arm. And I, I really, I mean, that's what I, I wanted to kind of throw this to Mac because that is a that is a groundbreaking, monumental decision that I do not think that most people recognize how widespread that could be used to help make sure the feds don't uh, jump on our case every time they turn around and want to use uh, local authorities to that everybody's got to go mother may I to before you do anything. So Mac, I don't know, maybe that's way off track where you wanted it to be. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's it's right on track. You're right on track, and I totally agree with you. Uh, it looks like we're all in agreement that the 
federal government has no authority to do this. Uh, it, and it kind of goes back to Michael Peruca's quote uh, from Thomas uh, Paine, uh, a, a long habit of not thinking a thing to be wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right. And that's exactly what's happened with these bureaucracies that are now out of control, uh, answer to no one, uh, no oversight, no, no checks and balances. They can do whatever they want. Uh, I haven't heard one person in Washington, D.C. telling the VATF, you can't do this. But, but to be quite honest, uh, uh, Dr. Bradley, you just brought it up. Um, the Constitution doesn't allow for this kind of regulating uh, authority to be even a- existence. The states might have the, uh, some regulatory authority over this, maybe, maybe not, because they can't violate the Second Amendment either. But for the federal government to have this authority, there's no place in the Constitution that allows this. Um, and I just read Article 1, Section 9. I have it in my hand here that you were mentioning, uh, Dr. Bradley. And it says, no bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. Well, this is a, a bureaucracy now making and violating the ex post facto laws. You can't uh, have something that was legal yesterday and making it legal uh, and legal yesterday and then making it illegal today and then arrested me for it. And that's really where they're going here. And because of the corruption of Washington, D.C., when they because many of them do not follow the Constitution, nor do they care about the ex post facto law prohibition in Article 1, Section 8, or right. Section 9, sorry. Yeah, Section 9. So well, here we are again with the federal government violating the law, and we're supposed to just go along. Well, One thing I would like to Before we get there, Sheriff Mac beat Bill Clinton real quick, uh, as everybody knows. Yeah. But this really relates to the same issue. What we need is real hero sheriffs standing up like Mac did years ago and is continuing to do now. And like Sheriff Walk is doing, the county sheriff America's last hope comes to mind. Uh, Sheriff Walk. Yes, and we're seeing it down in Illinois. You know, Illinois just passed some state-level assault weapons ban, and the sheriff said, well, not in my county. And, and they, I think there's 80-some sheriffs in Illinois that have stood up to that. So um, that's the duty of the sheriff. I don't think people realize that. You know, I, I put in my letter that I view myself as a guardian of my citizens' constitutional rights, and that's really how I think we have to view our law enforcement. We are guardians. Well, I'd like you to read some of that letter or all of it after the break. How about that? How long is it? All of it. It's not that long, is it? No, it's fairly short. I wanted to keep it short and sweet so the director actually would would read it and not get bored with it. So <laughs> and can that. he read? Can we're he gonna, read is the yeah. question. Yeah, that, that's a good question, the BATF letter. But look, I mean, the Second uh, what, Amendment's really short, too. Did you ever read that? I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I'm point. sorry. Yeah, so right before the pause, I just want to kind of set this up. We're going to come back. We're going to have Sheriff Walk read the letter. Uh, but I, I want to say this, though. It isn't really about, say, a bump stock uh, or about these pistol braces or about, yes, those are uh, discussion points because that's where they're piecemeal trying to destroy our God-given inalienable rights of self-defense codified in the Constitution. Uh, but, Sheriff Walk, it isn't really about those things. It's about the general right to keep and bear arms that we're really discussing, right? Absolutely. This is just a, this is a, a gun grab in disguise. 
and they tried with the Brady Bill because, by golly, some people got shot, and now they're in wheelchairs, and they made a big old photo op about it back in the day uh, when they tried gun grabs. They tried to you know, rename guns to assault weapons. Well, in the hands of a good, honest American, it's not an assault weapon. It's a, it's a stop-the-criminal weapon. So rather than call them assault weapons, I call them rape-me-nots and kill-me-nots and rob-me-nots and those kind of things to kind of highlight the point that it depends on who's using the gun. And in the vast majority of good, honest American citizens, it's a God-given right that government acknowledges. The government doesn't grant that right, neither can they take it away. Quick pause, incredible show with Sheriff Walk, Mac, the good Dr. Scott Bradley, and yours truly on Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. At least 1,800 people are dead following a powerful earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Turkey's Disaster and Emergency Management Agency says the death toll in that country has now surpassed 1,000. Meantime, help is being pledged by dozens of nations, including the United States, Czech Republic, the Netherlands, and Germany. Nor Kormash, last hour on the Turkish news channel in Abid, Syria. Uh, right now, the, the earthquake is still uh, uh, ongoing. Another earthquake right now uh, uh, is uh, currently striking the areas while I'm talking right now. Uh, the, the crisis is still ongoing. The uh, people here literally have nowhere to go. The reason authorities in Ohio are telling people to leave their homes within one mile of a train derailment on Friday is because the fire continues and there's a chance of a massive explosion. The train derailment in East Palestine is worsening, so says East Palestine Fire Chief Keith Drobik. We are at a risk now of a catastrophic failure of that container. Uh, Measures are being taken to try and control that and prevent that from happening. President Biden's State of the Union address is tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. History was made last night for Beyonce. The hits are endless. And so are the Grammys. With her victory in the Best Dance Electronic Album category on Sunday, Beyonce became the most decorated Grammy winner in history. I'd like to thank my parents, my father, my mother, for loving me and pushing me. Beyonce's 33rd trophy broke the record of composer George Solti. I'm Jerry Barmash. This is USA News. take some. Great. And some Frank's Red Hot. Oh, nah. I'm good. Oh, you're just going to eat these dry, plain, boring nachos with no Frank's. Uh... Oh, seriously? Frank it up. Frank it up. Come on, lady. Frank it up. Frank it up. Frank it up. Yeah! Oh. Man, this guy finally gets it. Hey, look, we're on the jumbo truck. It's the perfect blend of flavor and heat. Frank's Red Hot. I put that sh- on everything. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at babbel.com slash DNC. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, you're starting to speak another language. Babbel's lessons are voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. If you want to learn a language, there's no better way than... Babbel. Text RADIO to 64,000 to try Babbel for free. Text RADIO to 64,000. 
Okay, so we're back. In case you're just joining us uh, after the break at the bottom of the hour, I'm Scott Bradley, and uh, Sam Bushman's the voice you normally hear at this time. Sam's with us, too. And, of course, there's Sheriff Mack, uh, the uh, guy that uh, beat the U.S. government when uh, they tried to tell the U.S. sheriffs, well, the, the county sheriffs, that they were now an arm of the federal government to impose the will of the federal government upon their local constituents. And he beat them in 1997 with a, a landmark case that uh, I think has a broad spectrum of application. At some point, we ought to do a bigger show on that, perhaps. But we've also got Sheriff Walk out of Wisconsin on the show with us today. And he has basically told the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives to take a long walk on a short pier uh, if they think he's going to be out enforcing their latest uh, pistol brace uh, law that they've created out of thin air without any constitutional authority. And before the break, Sheriff Walk agreed to read his brief letter to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives to uh, inform them that they we're not to look to him for any enforcement power. So, Sheriff Walk, perhaps we can kind of toss it over to you and, and give you a chance to read that letter, and then maybe we can discuss that for a few minutes. Okay, yes, thank you. And I had to look up who the director was because I don't pay much attention to the ATF typically. So it's a Stephen Dettelbach is the director. So it says, Dear Director Dettelbach, as the elected sheriff of Polk County, Wisconsin, and the guardian of my citizens' constitutional rights, I'm writing this letter to inform you that the recent rule change pertaining to pistol braces is a government overreach. This is unconstitutional to allow my citizens for over 10 years to purchase this type of firearm and then with the strike of your bureaucratic pen potentially make my citizens felons. Polk County is a Second Amendment sanctuary as of May of 2020. I will not allow your tyrannical government agents to victimize my citizens. I stand ready to defend the rights of honest, law-abiding residents here in Polk County. I will take no enforcement action on this rule change or allow any federal agent to take action against my citizens. I strongly recommend you cancel this recent rule change as this is a clear violation of the Constitution. You are violating your oath of office and now we the people lose all trust and faith in your ability to do your job. Sincerely, Brent Walk. You know, that's uh, succinct, it's to the point, it's unequivocal. Cool. I mean, uh, you know, and I we were kind of joking a little before that maybe these guys have never read uh, the Second Amendment, certainly not the Constitution, but that letter uh, should be clearly understood. It's interesting to me, this Dellenbach guy, I think he was the backup guy that Biden tried and did end up getting confirmed uh, into the office. First guy got bounced, if I recall correctly, but sounds to me like he was a bad choice, too, and uh, maybe... Sometimes the check and balance of a legislative body saying, we ain't going to confirm people that are turkeys into jobs. Now, that doesn't apply just to the BATF. It applies all across the board. But anyway, uh, Mac, I, uh, can, do you understand that letter? I assume you do. <laughs> I do, and it's wonderful. That was fantastic, uh, Sheriff Walk. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That was That is amazing. And I wait. I got to get away from my wife here. You sure <laughs> Not you that want I need to? to get away. She, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. She uh, 
she was getting some ice and it was making some noise. But I, I really appreciate the letter. It was perfect, uh, powerful, uh, passionate, uh, and it stated a truth that still some sheriffs in this country don't understand, and it's the same one that we've been trying to get them to understand for the last 20 years, and that is the sheriffs are the guardian of the rights for the people they work for. And, and uh, if the American people do not have that protection, they have no place else to turn when government becomes venal, oppressive, and abusive. And it, that seems to be the trend of our federal government uh, for the last, uh, especially the last 10, 15 years, uh, and during the last 60, 70 years, uh, absolutely uh, something that they, they believe they don't have to follow the Constitution, or as you alluded to, uh, Dr. Bradley, uh, they don't have to read it uh, because they have an agenda, and the agenda is uh, uh, they're Democrat uh, or Republican, and Republicans are trying to be like Democrats all the time. Uh, it, it's their uh, political dogma and their, their political uh, agenda. And the Constitution sometimes just gets in the way, and they don't give a damn. They just go right over it, and uh, we now have uh, a sheriff taking a stand that every sheriff in this country should be doing. You and know, Sheriff Mack, this is really quick, Dr. Bradley. This is okay. interesting why I say that the county sheriff, America's Last Hope, needs to be hammered. Not only is it a book, not only did it come from Sheriff Mack, who did stand up and stop the government from gun control back in the 90s and has been doing so ever since. Not only is Sheriff Watt doing the same thing today, but see, Sheriff, uh, Dr. Bradley, you and I can rally around hero sheriffs like this and give them the support. Their power comes from when they get sworn in, their oath of office. I'm sorry, their authority comes from their oath of office. When they get sworn in, they get the authority bestowed upon them from the consent of the governed delegated authority from we the people but their power comes from we backing the sheriffs uh, dr bradley well you know and, and a couple of quick things and again i uh, don't want to disturb everybody's thought processes but you mentioned the guardians of the constituents in their in their uh, counties you know the in popular culture and the movies and all that kind of kids will identify with this the guardians of the galaxy and it's kind of a hey that's a pretty cool title to go out there and and uh, stand in the gap, if you will, to prevent uh, the overlord or whoever from from taking power. And 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 really, uh, the overlord, sadly, is is getting too big for their britches, and they're trying to take power where there's no power delegated. As you point out, the the consent of the of the governed out of the Declaration of Independence that is essential to be able to govern. Well, that consent of the governed happened when we ratified, you know, the nation ratified the United States Constitution. The governed said, we will be bound by laws created within these limits and bounds, created by these individuals that take an oath to uphold their uh, responsibility to keep their actions within those bounds, and thereby our rights will be protected. Well, we need guardians because, um, well, as Lord Acton said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And Daniel Defoe said, these back in, you know, hundreds of years ago, he said all men would be tyrants if they could. There's got to be checks and balances. And the strength 
of the county sheriff, just focusing on that for a moment, we've got multiple layers of protection, of safety, of pushback, if you will. It's got to be some acrimony in this thing. I mean, we can't all be, you know, kumbaya, go along with to get along. The people need to have guardians that push back on this, and the legislature should ha should be pushing back, saying, no, this alphabet soup organization cannot create law. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution says, no, all authority is given to us. The president can't create law with executive order. A branch or, or department under him cannot. It's clearly stated. And there's the got Supreme to be pushback. Supreme law stands tall, ladies and gentlemen. So, Sheriff Walk, I've got four words to say to you and then a question. Four words. God bless you, Sheriff. Thank you so much for standing up uh, tall for the people, for your oath, uh, for all things liberty against bureaucratical tyrants uh, that want to deceive the people into believing that somehow we'll be safer uh, or that somehow they have this authority. Uh, I appreciate you standing up. Uh, the, so the, that's the, the statement. The question is, uh, what's the next step, sir? What do we do now to, to make sure that your letter uh, does not go unheeded or ignored? Well, I really hope that a lot of the gun groups around the nation are lining up to sue the ATF because this is, you know, I, I, I like the points you guys have made about um, your oath of office. And, and if I decided today to throw out the Fourth Amendment and just start randomly searching homes, I, I would be held accountable for that. I would be taken to court. I, would be, I could possibly be in prison for that. That's misconduct in public office. How these people in Washington can disregard our constitutional rights openly, blatantly, and not even get held accountable. So I, I hope our courts, you know, that's the beauty of our system. The founding fathers had it right, and there are these checks and balances. So I hope, and I know some groups have already filed suit against the ATF, so I really expect and I hope that we get a stay on this and that we, we can immediately um, see that this is going to go away. Sheriff Mack? Well, I, I uh, totally agree with what he said. Uh, I do know that uh, the case that we've mentioned on the show before, Sam, and the one that uh, Sheriff Watt just mentioned going on with about 85 Illinois sheriffs, uh, we will actually be there on March 4th, uh, Sheriff Walk, and we want to invite you to come over to that. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a little training seminar and, and proving to all the uh, Illinois sheriffs that what they're doing is absolutely documented um, responsibilities that they have as sheriffs. Uh, we, we don't just come there and give our opinions. Uh, certainly, I have a lot of them, uh, but it's not my opinion. This is documented uh, in the case that Sam and Dr. Bradley have been mentioning, the one I started back in 1994 and won at the U.S. Supreme Court in 1997. Uh, we document it with that. We document it with the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution itself, and especially the Bill of Rights. And it's very foundational. It's very fundamental. And that's all and, we're talking about And can I interrupt a second, though, because I want you to refer to this as well, Sheriff Mack. Not only does your case stand tall as the greatest Tenth Amendment decision ever rendered, and it was rendered in modern times, but your case also points to other cases making the same point about, look, they can't demand the sheriff or any other uh, local official, state official, uh, out of the general government jurisdiction officials. They can't mandate they do anything whether they provide money or not. They don't have any authority in those jurisdictions. 
And your court case doubles down on that, but also highlights other cases that have made that point as well. Sheriff Mack. Well, and I wanted to remind everybody uh, that there's five law enforcement authorities granted to the federal government. Five. Five law enforcement uh, rules or laws. Five law enforcement laws. Call them delegated authorities. Correct. They were delegated, as described in the Tenth Amendment, delegated to the federal government. Uh, monitoring gun ownership is not one of them. Uh, okay, and Doctor uh, Doctor <laughs> Sheriff Watt just described that he had been down to the border. The security at the border is a federal assignment. They are supposed to protect our borders from invasion. That is the law delegated to them. If they don't do it, then, of course, the sheriffs and states uh, must take it back and take action because the federal government uh, will not do it. And and, uh, Obama and Biden have proven that they want those people here, and they do not care about the other crimes happening with fentanyl and drugs and human trafficking and sexual exploitation of children. They have not addressed that one iota. This administration has not addressed it one iota. So, of course, that leaves it to us to do it. But let's go over those five. One law that they have is treason. The federal government is supposed to enforce treason. Second one, counterfeiting. Third, felonies committed on the high seas or piracies. And then laws against nations where we might have a treaty with Canada or Australia or Mexico. If a citizen violates those treaties, that is a federal offense. The last one, of course, as I said, they are supposed to be securing our borders from invasion. And so those are it. After that, they have no law enforcement jurisdiction. And and again, we have to remember Thomas Paine's warning, a long habit of not thinking a thing to be wrong does not make it right. And that's really the problem with this because federal government has been out of control for so long, we've just accepted it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Department of Education, yeah, of course that's yours, even though the Constitution doesn't allow it. And and uh, and the ATF is another one. There is no author, authorization, constitutionally or otherwise, for this agency to even exist. And, and I know a lot of people don't like hearing the truth about that because they go, well, where would we be? What would we do if we didn't have some of these federal agencies? Well, <laughs> look at look at what it's gotten us by them stealing and usurping these authorities. Sheriff Walk, I want to make sure that, that we're uh, on the same page. I also want to give you the, the freedom uh, and make sure that I call this out. You know, we've made a lot of statements on the radio here today. And if you disagree with any of them or anything like that, I want you to be able to speak out and say so. This isn't we control the show. This is you say what you like and the American people learn and think and, and get educated and hear from all of us and make up their own opinions. This is America. So I want to give you the chance, though. We don't mean to put any words in your mouth or make it seem like you agree with something that you don't. Uh, feel free to speak up, sir. No, and I just I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today and to talk about this. And this kind of overreach should scare everybody. I don't care if you're for or against guns. This is this is pure government overreach, and it has to be dealt with. Very good, Sam. And uh, well, yes, all sir. Of you, just just you know. 
uh, there's so many, like I say, strings to pull on on these things. And, and without uh, being preemptive, I hope, um, people need to understand this is an exclusive issue. Anything that was not delegated is not there. It's not like the Roosevelt's used to say, well, if I'm not particularly and specifically precluded from doing this or that or the other, I can do it. No, you look at the 10th Amendment, it says if we didn't delegate authority, you don't have authority. It's absolute. There is no scooch room in there. And and uh, as uh, Mac was uh, talking, you know, about some of these delegated authorities, well, they're, they're exclusive. There's nothing in there about this. And, in fact, the uh, uh, preamble to the Bill of Rights is they're further declaratory and restrictive clauses. They're restrictive. They're not expanding anything at all. And Sam, we've used this on your program before, but uh, the constitutional, uh, I think, I consider him to be the preeminent constitutional authority of the founding era was uh, St. George Tucker. And, and here's what he said about th this ability of the jurisdiction and, and where crimes are found. And, and, and if, if there is to be a crime found, it certainly is not within the general government's pur purview to do it. He said, uh, talking to, about these uh, felonies not enumerated within the Constitution, he said the very guarded manner in which Congress are vested with authority to legislate upon subject of crimes and misdemeanors. Okay, now a side trip here. If the Congress can't legislate on them, we can't have another bureaucracy create law in those areas either going on. They are not entrusted with the general power over these subjects, but a few offenses are selected from the great mass of crimes with which society may be infested, upon which only Congress are authorized to prescribe the punishment or define the offense. All felonies and offenses committed upon land, and in all cases not expressly enumerated, being reserved to the states respectively. People, there is no authority whatsoever delegated in the United States Constitution to invoke anything, including the 1934 Federal uh, Firearms Act, which, um, again, uh, my hope is that somebody, well, maybe they're not going to take this case, but somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say, uh, stand by, men, women, children. This is not an authority. We're going to go to the mat on this thing. We're going to get that thing declared unconstitutional and put them out of business altogether for this egregious violation of the Second Amendment. So I mean, I'm, I'm do, a broad Sheriff brush Walk, guy. Without a doubt. So the question for you, Sheriff Walk, is what do we do, though, when they keep just infringing, 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 and every time they take a slice, yes, we fight back. Richard Mack won at the Supreme Court, but they just keep moving forward, uh, keep trying to violate our rights at some point. And, and look, I start out every program saying we peacefully want to restore the republic. We don't want revolution. We want restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. So I'm not... Uh, advocating for any violence or anything else. But at some point, when these criminals swear an oath to office, but yet they continue to whittle away at everything we hold dear, they try to take authority into themselves they don't have. How do we push back harder to stop this, uh, Sheriff Walk and then Sheriff Mack? Well, I think that's the million-dollar question. And, you know, this is, you know, I, I always say I'm a small-town sheriff, small county, which most sheriffs are, by the way. Most sheriffs are rural, small communities um it, it is the big picture and it is hard to grasp how we change this and you know i personally think it, it, it should be you know right now every every politician should be stomping up and down in washington to get this stopped and i think that's how it has to start and i, I can't imagine how they ignore the courts as law enforcement 
everyday court decisions impact how we do our jobs. We have to follow that. We get legal updates. How these bureaucrats are ignoring case law and ignoring the rules and getting away with it. I would hope there's congressional oversight on this. I would hope there'd even be criminal charges come out of something like this. Sure, Matt. Uh, man, it sounds like uh, <laughs> we've got the true blue deal here with uh, Sheriff Walk. I uh, really appreciate everything you've done and said um, uh, about this. Uh, it, it is something that has to happen. If we don't stand and and recognize the problems in Washington, D.C., and point out the overreach and, as you just alluded to, Sheriff Walk, the criminality, there has to be criminal penalties against some, uh, some of this overreach and, and what some people call treason. When you uh, intentionally try to destroy uh, a, uh, an amendment guaranteed to the people of this country, we the people, guaranteed, and then you try to make criminals out of law-abiding citizens, that's, that, to me, that's treason. You're, you're violating the Constitution, you're violating your oath of office, and you're violating the very principles upon which America was founded. Uh, I think that can rise to the level of treason. But at the same time, regardless whether it's treason or any other criminality, the federal bureaucrats and federal uh, uh, cabinet members need to be held accountable. Uh, and the guy that you mentioned earlier, I didn't remember his name, uh, Sheriff Walk, but uh, he is a, a gun grabber. He's anti-Second Amendment. He's anti-Constitution. And uh, I'm sure that this came from him. Uh, so we hope that Second Amendment Foundation, I know they're filing a, a lawsuit in Illinois. We hope they also do that one uh, here. I will be contacting Gun Owners of America and see if, if they will. And I'll also call Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation and see if they will. And uh, the one I mentioned to you, Sheriff Walk, uh, the Wisconsin Gun Owners Association, I'm going to uh, check with them, too. Great. It, it seems to so, me that uh, the founding era, the, these things were clearly understood. If you look at the 51st Federalist Paper, Madison articulately stated the position that there needs to be pushback. There's a constitutional means and motives that should be there to push back on this. The defense we have as these ambitions need to be checked with with these uh, other ambitions, the, the legislative should say, our ambitions are in counter to this. We're going to push back on you. This it has to do not with uh, the parties. Uh, Mac kind of alluded to this earlier. The parties have taken precedence over everything. If Democrats are in power and their Democrat leader is, is getting their way, suddenly it's okay. Or if the Republicans, it's the same way. No. This is not a party issue. This is an issue of principles-based liberty and proper government. And, and so everybody's got to push back in the right way. Let's hope they get the maximum pushback to bring this to a close. It's just got to happen and on this and a lot of other subjects. And that is what the CSPOA is so known for, ladies and gentlemen. The sheriff, like I said, gets his authority with his oath of office. We, the people, delegate authority to him, and when he swears his oath and is, and is sworn in, that's where his authority comes from. His power comes from good, honest sheriffs, the county sheriff of America's last hope, standing up like Sheriff Walk is doing right now. And then the power 
comes from we the people backing that right action uh, constitutionally. That's how the founders envisioned it. Good, honest, moral people standing up for truth together, peacefully restoring the republic by insisting uh, on the checks and balances that made America great. Sheriff Walk, you get the last word, sir. Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to spread the word on this. And, you know, every honest law-abiding gun owner out there should be attuned to this subject because it's, it's, uh, it has very overreaching implications if we ignore things like this. I mean, uh, I, I look at people who live out in the rural areas who don't have access to the Internet as, as good as most do, and uh, there, there's people that aren't even going to have an idea that this rule change went into effect. And you could soon see that uh, we're all going to get labeled felons. That's, that's concerning for everybody. So um, I appreciate the opportunity to, to extend this message out. And, uh, how many sheriffs? Luck. How many sheriffs are in are in Wisconsin? Do you know offhand? Seventy-two. All right, we need to start reaching out to all seventy-one sheriffs uh, and see if they're like-minded with Sheriff Walk. Because the more that's one of the great things about Illinois so far is we've got a ninety sheriff pushback. There's only hundred and two sheriffs in that great state, so we really need to now say, all right, out of the seventy-two, how many are willing to stand uh, boldly, nobly, independently? Uh, and uh, interpose as Sheriff Walk is doing. That's what Mac did in the day when he was sheriff that stopped the Brady Bill. That's what uh, he's been doing at the CSPOA ever since. So we want Americans to join the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers uh, Association, and then we will do all that we can to support you and your sheriffs. Or I'm sorry, in your efforts, uh, Sheriff Walk. We're grateful for you. God bless you, Sheriff. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Wonderful job by Sheriff Walk, uh, Richard Mack. Uh, you get the uh, 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 closing statement really quick, 20 seconds. Well, it, it proves that what we've been doing uh, is on the right track because he's doing it just because it's the right thing to do, uh, not because of us. And we're grateful for all the sheriffs that have done that across the country. And we want to use the CSPOA to back him 100%. CSPOA.org, Dr. Scott Bradley, thank you so much for joining us and, and putting a constitutional focus on things as well. Uh, Sheriff Max website, CSPOA.org. Dr. Scott Bradley's website, freedomsrisingsun.com. My website, libertyroundtable.com. Our nationally syndicated radio network, lovingliberty.net. We the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for February the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is indeed our two of two and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the brilliant checks and balances our founding fathers put in place to restore the republic using the supreme law of the land. We reject revolution, stand for peaceful restoration. 
of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Lowell Nelson is with me as he is every Monday. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Oh, good to be with you, Sam. Thanks for having me. Man, there's so much to discuss today, such little time, but I really do want to point people to last hour. Man, we had on Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman, as always. We also had on Sheriff Richard Mack, and we had on Polk County, Wisconsin, Sheriff Brent Walk tells the ATF to go pound sand. Sheriff says he will not enforce ATF's rule on pistol braces, and he's saying he'd like to see some criminals arrested for their continued abuse of our God-given rights. He will stand um, and defend uh, and protect uh, his citizens from the general government abuse, overreach, whatever you want to call it, uh, there, and he will interpose. God bless Sheriff Walk. Uh, anyway, that's pretty cool, uh, Lull. That's right, man. We love that kind of a sheriff, a constitutional sheriff. We need more of them, and we need citizen support of them, too. They need to know that their citizens support constitutional sheriffs so that they will uh, be emboldened to take a firm stand against the tyranny of the general government. Right on, Sam. And we're still under siege, unfortunately. What are we, halfway through the legislative session? 21 days, three <laughs> weeks or whatever it is in, so that's about halfway, right? Yeah, that's right, halfway. We, yeah, we're still oh, embroiled boy, in the battle. It's been brutal, sir. <laughs> yes. yes, it has. I want to start out with a little bit of good news, though. HB 131, which is a vaccine passport prohibition bill, that passed the Utah House last week, uh, 60 to 13. When that's a, that's good news. It awaits consideration now in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this bill, this bill is a pretty good bill. It does the following. It makes it unlawful for a place of public accommodation to discriminate against an individual based on that individual's immunity status. <clears throat> It prohibits a government entity from requiring proof of immunity status. It makes it unlawful discrimination for an employer to require proof of immunity status. And it prohibits a government entity or employer from requiring an individual to receive a vaccine <clears throat> or a clot shot, you know, mRNA injection, basically. In short, Sam, this bill would prohibit private employers from requiring a vaccine as a condition of employment or patronage. Now, Sam, there are those who oppose this bill, and they are the ones who argue that it infringes the rights of business owners to discriminate as they wish. And they suggest that those who object to vaccine passports should use persuasion and the market to fight back rather than weaponizing the state against business owners. Now, I'm somewhat sympathetic to that position. I don't want government to come down with its iron fist and say, businesses, you know, you have to do this or you cannot do that, right? I mean, so it's kind of a fine line there. It's a balancing act, I think. We, and I think that's a question we have to address. How do we balance an individual's right to privacy with a business owner's right of association, <clears throat> you know? And uh, But in my mind, to the extent that a business is a fictional person, I believe that an individual's right to privacy trumps a business's right to association. But I'm open on this, Sam, and I'm curious. How do you 
propose to balance these rights. Sam? I, I like a lot of the bill. There's a lot of the bill I disagree with for the exact uh, reasons and points you're making. I've got some ideas, though, and it's fairly libertarian in focus. It's constitutionally relevant in focus as well. I have the right to be secure in my persons, papers, effects, etc. Now, I know they try to play games and say that applies when you're in your home, not when you're out in public and everything. I don't, know, I don't believe in that. They didn't put a lot of uh, restrictions or manipulations or infringements on my right to privacy. So I, as an individual, have a right to privacy, and government should not violate that right in any way. So I think we do prohibit government from doing these things, and I support that completely. Now, when it comes to a private business, a private business should be able to do what they want. Now, I don't like the word discriminate because I don't think that's fair if I say, hey, I don't want you to come into my business if you're vaccinated or not. Now, listen carefully. I should be able to say that. I have that right. It's my property. And uh, whether you bring a gun on my property, whether you're whatever, I should have the right to do what I want to with my property. All right. But here's how we avoid the, the, the battle between privacy, personal privacy, and property rights. You can say that I can't come on your property if I'm not vaccinated. You have that right. But you'll never know if I'm vaccinated or not because you don't have the right or the authority to find out. So if you want to say, hey, we're going to ask you, and I can say none of your business, then you can decide to kick me out if you want. If I say, yes, I am, and you decide to let me in, or no, I'm not, and you kick me out, that's your right. But you don't have any right to determine if I'm vaccinated or not. So I balance them by saying, look, if you want to say you're blind, and we don't like blind people in our restaurants, uh, blind people tend to knock over drinks uh, more than others. We're not, we're not letting you in our restaurants. I think it's wrong, but I think that a business has every right to say that. So a business cannot know your vaccination status. Uh, but they can say, hey, we're just going to ask you. And you can lie and say, oh, yeah, of course I'm vaccinated. And roll in there if you want to. Or you can tell the truth and see if they'll kick you out or whatever they do. Uh, but I don't think that one needs to rob the other. And I don't think we always have to balance these rights. We seem to think somehow that we have to decide everything for everybody else. Or that the government has to decide, right? I don't necessarily agree with that narrative. The government doesn't need to decide this. For over 200 years in America, Lowell, the government hasn't decided this. Nobody's decided this. It's never been an issue. So now that it's an issue, why do we have to decide it at a government, a state, a federal, a somebody level? Why do we think we always have to do that? I submit that we don't. So my privacy is uh, protected, already is. Businesses are free to do whatever the heck they want to. You own a business. What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, do it. And you say, well, Sam, they can say, you know, you're mm, over 5'9". We don't like tall people in our restaurants there. They should be able to say that. Okay? We don't have the right to destroy the individual's beliefs, whether they were religious or otherwise, the right to conscience. We don't have the ability to uh, violate their privacy rights. So I simply say we prohibit government, as this bill purports to do, and we leave business out of it. And if a business wants to make up some arcane whatever, Put it on the sign. We won't let unvaccinated people in our restaurant. That's fine. Let the court of public opinion either ridicule them or reward them. Uh, and let the chips fall where they may, sir. What do you think of that answer? Well, I like it for the most part. Uh, let me ask you another question. Intermountain Healthcare was re 
requiring all of their doctors and nurses, you know, personnel who works for IHC. Now, that's a private business, right? It's not a government entity. That's a, that's that's a private. Kind of. I know what you're saying, but it's kind of true. They're so yeah, subsidized and manipulated and controlled by government. What you're saying is yeah. mostly correct, but it's fascist yeah. uh, in nature. So it's not totally true, but I get your point. Yeah, and so they were requiring their personnel to get the clot shot, take the jab, or lose their job, right? Sure, they can do that and, if they want to. <clears throat> well, uh, not necessarily, right? They have a contract to say, I'm employed with IHC, and then they come along and say, you got to get the clot shot. That's an ex post facto regulation. Yeah, so they've changed the contract, and now I can sue them for changing the contract. Yeah, for breach of contract. That's yeah, right. Because, yeah, and sure. so... So I'm saying they can do that, and they can get sued, and they can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's where okay. we think we have to always decide this. We've already got laws in the books if you harm me for me to sue you and get a redress of grievance. And if I win, mm-hmm. I can win lots of money from you. If I lose, then I lose. Mm-hmm. But let's let okay. the court of opinion uh, be the answer. So pretty soon, what if uh, you know nobody will work at that place? And pretty soon, they don't have any employees. They either go out of business. Or they go ahead and decide they're going to solve it, right? Mm-hmm. So what about the business, yeah. uh, like a big business that uh, says you can't uh, come uh, armed with a gun, right? I mean, onto our, our property. Um, but I, I think Utah law says, you know, if, if you're a concealed carry weapon permit holder, you can be on our – you can be anywhere, you know, with a with And a the gun. government has no authority to violate property rights on my behalf. So right, the government so can the say property. you can carry a gun anywhere, but they can't carry, say that they can carry a gun on somebody's private property. The government has no authority to do that. So if they are saying that, which is the case now, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that they are, but they need to stop. We need to change the law to stop that. The general government and the state governments, they don't have the authority to violate my private property. If I say no well, guns on my private property, they can't mandate yes. I agree for uh, if it's on private property, but what if it's on property like what they call a public accommodation? So uh, like Lowe's, the parking lot of Lowe's or, or Home Depot or something. I mean, I don't know if that's private property. I mean, it's under con- the control of a private business, but I still have the right to carry a weapon you know, on my person even though I'm on uh, you know, property controlled by a business, right? Well, you're spot on. Let's talk about it right after the pause because you're spot on right. So I'm going to bring up my previous example to hammer home the point. Lowell Nelson with us, ladies and gentlemen, campaign for liberty. Are we talking about just vaccines? In part, we're talking about where rights clash. And how do you handle that, huh? Liberty Roundtable Live. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. 
Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, back with you live. Lowell Nelson's with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the Utah legislative session. I call it We're Under Siege. We're halfway through. We're talking specifically about... This bill that, for the most part, is a good bill, right? Yeah. You at, or Utah, HB 131, basically vaccine passport prohibition. This bill prohibits the use of a vaccine passport in the state of Utah. Uh, um, I like the bill in general because I like the idea that you can not mandate passports. And I don't think the government should mandate passports. But oftentimes we want to just think something has to be legal or illegal. And the government must decide and the government must decide now. And my response is I don't think so. I don't think the government has to decide every issue. I don't think that at all. So uh, we were going back to the gun rights issue. And you're out in the parking lot. And it's Lowe's parking lot. So it's kind of a private business. But yet it's a public parking lot. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, let's say you have a gun. Should they be able to keep kick you off their property and when rights clash like that somebody has to decide and who is that that has to decide the general government needs to stay out of it because the general government has no authority in the jurisdiction of a county and a state so that's the first statement i would make the second statement i would make is that counties and states have a lot more latitude than your general government does and a lot of these things have not been codified in law when privacy rights, when your right to keep or to do something becomes infringed by someone else, what right takes precedent is the, the real question, right? Mm-hmm. And I personally believe in this case property rights take precedent. And you can say, well, wait a minute, it's a public realm. Yes, but if I have a concealed gun and I go into your store, you don't even know, first of all. Mm-hmm. If I carry the gun openly, you do know and you can stop me. Uh, so there's kind of the balance. If you say everybody named Sam can't be on my property, well, then if I just walk in and say my name's Frank, you know, you can't stop me from lying. Or is it lying? What if my middle name's Frank? And I go by Frank sometimes. See, so what, I, what I'm getting at is that we, we want these absolutes. 
and we want to control everybody, and we want laws to dictate all this. I don't think we need laws to dictate all this. Let's say that Lowe's, just for instance, decides you can't have guns on my property, and the state says you can have guns everywhere. Let the American people decide. If enough people who want guns, whenever they go to Lowe's, speak up, Lowe's will change their view or suffer the, quote, economic consequences of their actions. Pretty soon, everyone's going to go to gun-friendly Lowe's, some other business, right? Uh, we're we're um, gun-friendly uh, construction store, and everybody will go there. So we, we can let the court of public opinion and let common heads prevail. We don't have to always decide everything. That's the problem with government is they want to decide everything. We don't need to. So then let's say it's not decided and Lowe's gets belligerent and says, you can't have a gun on my parking lot. And I say, yes, I can. The state said I could everywhere. Let us go to court. That's where redress of grievances are solved, Lowell. Well, yeah, you make some really great points. I'm now thinking about the military. Excuse me. The military was, uh, well, according to Biden anyway, required to take the class shot or lose their. Yep. And we um, can deny government from doing that. And this bill is perfect in that regard. Hey, you know what? The state of Utah, you're not going to prohibit. Uh, people or force people to be vaccinated. You're not going to force people to have some passport uh, to live life either. So I have no problem restricting the government in that realm. I just have a problem getting in the middle of the private affairs of individuals and businesses and pretending that the government knows all and can decide all. If we don't have the authority to give that to government, we don't have the authority. So I have the authority to tell government to shut down and stop, but I don't have the authority to tell an individual or a business though. I just don't. Yeah, you know, I was encouraged uh, last year, maybe two years ago now, but right in the smack in the middle of the so-called pandemic, there was a private school in Florida, I think we even talked about this, discussed it on the show probably, that said, we will hire only teachers who have not been vaccinated. And, and you know, you can wear a mask if you want in our school, but we are not requiring anybody in our private school to wear a mask. And, and so they attracted uh, a lot of, of, of people to their school because, they did, you know, everybody who attended the school knew that the, all the, the personnel at the school had not been vaccinated. So they didn't risk, you know, any, uh, you know, any problems from shedding and, and stuff like that. Now, that was a private business that said, look, we're going to hire based on the fact that you have not t- taken the jab, right, the cost shot. And, you know, I think they have the, the perfect right to do that. I think that's their, their business right, just like you know, Hooters, if they want to hire, hire only young women, uh, you know, to work in their restaurants, I think that's their right. You know, it's an owner's right to associate with, with, how, with whoever he chooses to hire, right? And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I really come down pretty, pretty, pretty adamantly, pretty strongly on the side of, of businesses. Um, and, and so there's some parts of this bill that, that I, I do disagree with. You know, I mean, the part that makes it says uh, unlawful discrimination for an employer to require proof of immunity status, right? I mean, I, I kind of think with you, Sam, that an employer can ask, right, um, if he's thinking about hiring somebody. I, I think he can ask. Now, there's some states that say you can't even ask. You know, that's like, you know, uh, asking your gender or asking your – Yes, and I disagree you know, with that too, though. You can ask if you want to. You should have the freedom to ask. And then I yeah, might come but, back to you and say, yes, I am vaccinated. 
But there's some states Even though I'm that, not, because I might say I have natural immunity vaccinations. See, the vaccinations yeah. that people are peddling aren't even vaccinations anyway. So the <laughs> truth right. is anybody that's been vaccinated, really, if you want to be factually correct, would have to say no, because they've been RMNA'd. They've been experimentally yeah. tested on with some kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, drug, RNA changing uh, medication or whatever you want to call it. But look, it's not a vaccine. So true. everybody who claims they've been vaccinated are lying anyway. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, I, I love the discussion, Sam. I, I think it's a, it's a great, I, you, really, you really make a lot of sense. And, you know, I like to, in fact, the, the thing I like the most, I think, from our discussion is the notion that let businesses and individuals solve the problem. Don't look to government for a one-size-fits-all solution that we decide now and forever you know, to let the government decide. That's, that's the wrong-headed thinking. We need to let businesses and individuals decide and just you know, you know, not, not, not look to government to solve this problem for us. And let people vote with their dollars and let people vote with their support or not. For example, this school that said, hey, we're not going to mandate anything. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be working here. Well, right. You know, let let those people flourish and let Americans decide individually and as a business, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you say, well, what about the huge businesses that just control everything? Well, half the reason we have monopolies in America right now anyway is because government has funded and protected them into this monopoly status or they wouldn't have got there uh, in the first place. There would have been too much competition in a real free market scenario. So uh, if you want to go there, then I'll just simply say get rid of all the regulations and government support and special privilege and grandfather, et cetera, and, and jettison all that and go to the free market, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, so that would be my response there. Now let's complicate the topic because you're on a roll here with a great conversation, Lowell. What happens when it becomes a finite resource there? Uh, now what happens? So go ahead and introduce this, but it's really the same topic almost, right? Yeah, it could, could be considered that. Yes, we're talking now about HB 150-150, Emergency Water Shortages Amendments. Uh, this is a bill... Uh, passed uh, the 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 House committee nine to two, and now awaits consideration by the full House, the Utah House. Um, this bill authorizes the governor to declare a water a water shortage emergency of up to six months, during which time <clears throat> water would be allocated in the following pecking order: drinking, then sanitation, then fire suppression. Then commercial agriculture, animal welfare needs, and then the generation of electricity. Uh, that's the pecking order expressed in this bill. Now, proponents say that the current law is worse and that passing this bill will result in better law, even though this bill has some shortcomings. Well, I looked at HB 168 from last year, Sam, and it puts, quote, an individual water user, end quote, at the top of the pecking order, whereas this bill, this HB 150 of this year, does not even mention, quote, an individual water user, end quote. So I disagree that last year's bill is worse than this year's bill. And I There's think we pros and cons to this. all the bills, but let's talk fundamental principles, uh, shall we? And then we'll decide. I want to just start out and say I don't believe that there's a crisis at all. Let's talk about it in seconds on your radio.
exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Prime. A massive 7.8 earthquake rocked southern Turkey early Monday, toppling hundreds of buildings and sending residents into the streets as aftershocks were felt across the region. Ziyadon Sekir, geologist at Ankara University on the Turkish News Channel. They may take uh, up to six, one, one year, you know, the aftershock activity will not stop immediately. Uh, the size of aftershocks may be as, 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 as large as 6.5. Um, the epicenter was near the Turkey-Syrian border, and the quake was felt in several countries across the region, including Syria and Lebanon. Unfortunately, the death toll is very high at this time. There are so many large uh, uh, settlements uh, around this area, and the, the casualties, the number of casualties may um, increase, uh, uh, unfortunately. Officials are looking at a train axle failure on the Norfolk Southern car that derailed near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border Friday night. A fire continued to burn for days, and evacuation orders were given to residents. Trent Conaway is the mayor of East Palestine, Ohio, on CBS Pittsburgh last night. If you're in the one-mile radius, please get out. Uh, as far as catastrophic, it's yes, it could be very catastrophic if it would go up. Uh, so we're, we're just being overly cautious and getting everybody out. Defense Department officials are reporting they were able to block the Chinese balloon from gathering intel during its time over U.S. airspace. Also, the DOD says the military was able to gather intel on the balloon and its equipment. The balloon was shot down over the Carolinas' coast on Sunday. Beyonce on Sunday broke the record for the most awarded Grammy artist of all time with 32 wins. With her fourth trophy of the 2023 awards, the singer surpassed a record of 31, a record since 1998. This is USA News. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at babbel.com slash TNC. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic. I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. It's incredible. After using Babbel, I'm ready to start having real conversations in French. There's all kinds of ways to learn. Use Babbel's podcasts or games or videos. You can even join live classes with a language teacher. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. 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 Evidemment. Text radio to 64000 to try Babbel for free. That's radio to 64000 to try Babbel free. R-A-D-I-O to 64000. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, and Sam Bushman, talking about some very complicated principles. What do you do when rights clash? What do you do uh, when there are finite resources uh, that seem to be uh, in concern? Utah HB 150 emergency water shortage amendments. They want to go ahead and change and prioritize 
water usage and they think it's going to be better and this and that. And I got a question. Why does the government have to decide what the priorities are for water usage in the first place? Number one. Number two, why do we think there's an emergency? We always think there's an emergency. They always operate under emergencies, Lol. Well, those who introduced the bill said, we hope this will never, ever be used. <laughs> That's how they started the introduction So let me stop the then and say it's not an emergency then, is it? Well, no. I mean, he hasn't declared emergency, but this I know, but if you're going to claim it's an emergency or you're going to uh-huh. use emergency water shortage in your discussion but say we hope we never have to use it, well, then you're saying it's not an emergency then, right? Or, you're, or you would be saying we have to use it, right? Right, right. But There's a just... point that I'm making here is that what they want to do is they want to say, look, when an emergency happens, this kicks in. Yeah. But I'm saying we always want to use emergency to declare and to control and to claim more power. Mm-hmm. That's my problem is it needs to stop. I believe there are a few legitimate real emergencies, uh, invasions, one of them, uh, et cetera, uh, a natural disaster may be one, depending on. I don't think a water shortage is one of those, um, because I think nobody's in threat of being able to drink water. I don't think anybody's in threat of being able to uh, even water crops if we go down to that level. I think where we're in threat of is the government running their sprinkler systems too long, or maybe we can't generate enough power. But again, who put the government in charge of generating power in the first place? See how we just go to government, government, government all the time? And that's what we've got to reject and stand against and educate. There are solutions without government here, Lowell. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what if Deer Creek Reservoir Dam broke, right? So all that water lost down the Provo Canyon and then not be available for all of the mm, consumers of that water. I mean, Deer Creek Reservoir supplies, I mean, Wasatch Front with tons of water, right? And without that, I mean, wouldn't it be kind of an emergency? Yes, it would. And if that is an emergency because of a natural disaster, which I mentioned is one of them, now the question is, who should get what power in an emergency such as that? Should we just give the absolute power to the governor? Should we have the legislative body prioritize how, look, if we really had no water, are we going to be debating who gets to drink water versus who gets to use it for electricity uh, generation? You think we're really going to be debating that? Or do you think that will work itself out? Good question. I mean, I, I look at uh, the uses for, uh, of water right now. I mean, we sell, Utah sells water to neighboring states um, right but now. But that's not and in this list at all in the bill. I know. It's not addressed at all. And so would we, And but I think it should be, right? I mean, if we're if selling water and we have if, if we believe sudden, we need a bill to solve this then it should be yes i don't believe it needs to be because i'm telling you right now everybody in the state of utah if we really needed water that bad would put drinking at the top or people are just going to die within days okay yeah mm-hmm. i don't think we'd be debating generating electricity or selling water to another state if we really were in that dire straits for water i don't think that would be even in the discussion hmm. yeah see i worry that that, uh, that we would continue to sell water says neighboring states, even though our own people were dying of thirst. I, I, I mean, look at the NSA data now, center. Now, so let me Blood stop down. you there then. If that's the case, they're so tyrannical that they'll mm-hmm. do that anyway. Hmm. Let's say that you put drinking at the top and they go, no, it's an emergency. The governor's in charge and he's selling water to the other guys. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do that anyway. He doesn't care about the law. He didn't care about the law when he forced the clot shot on everybody. He didn't care about the law when he locked everybody in their home anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
See, we just want more laws on the books there all the time. That's always the answer. More laws. Yeah. The answer is to restrict the amount of government involvement in our lives. And to do that, we need to restrict the amount of money these clowns have. And then we need oh, to basically yeah. say, look, you guys need better things to do than debate all these things. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mind a little bit of guidelines from the state legislative body to the governor to say, hey, if there's an emergency uh, that we do these things. I just feel like we're going way far afield. Not only do they leave out selling water to other states, what else do you think they left out of this thing? Well, probably the lithium mining or the Great Salt Lake Basin, right? Yeah. I mean, there takes like, I don't know, 100, uh, uh, I, I don't remember the exact figure, but it's like 100 million gallons of water to mine one ton of lithium or something. And because of all of the, the salts in the basin there, they're going to be mining, you know, hundreds of tons of of lithium from the Great Salt Lake, and and so, you know, that's going to take that's going to consume a ton of water, a lot a lot of water. Now, that's not discussed in this bill. It's not addressed. But right. I think those, so, but, if we but in my mind though, here's the question: mm-hmm. Who has a greater right to water, the individual family or the mining corporation? See? Yeah, yeah, the the, the family does. But are they even mentioned here? They're not. That's what bothers me about this bill, right? I mean, if we're so going to have a bill, bill? Like, what's that? So you're against this bill? Yeah. All right. Yeah. HB one fifty, we're against. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think that the government needs to be involved to this detail, because then what we got to say is this: How much water should be allocated for drinking to whom? Mm-hmm. See. Yeah, yeah. you got to decide that males need to get a little bit more than females, and then you'll get sued over that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to decide that adults get a little more water than children there, and a man who has to work to take care of his family probably needs the most water. Uh, but he's supposed to be the servant of his whole family, so maybe we should give him the least amount of water. And you see where this goes? We don't need government to solve it all. Now, the question becomes, what do you do to prevent a water crisis is the next question. Shouldn't we be focusing on that? Well, we certainly should, and um, you know, part of the answer there is to to live a, a righteous life, to repent and call upon God, because He's the one that governs weather. And uh, you know, I, I I counted a huge blessing right now, Sam, to be looking outside my window at the falling snow, and uh, to to realize that we are like 200% of our normal water um, accumulation uh, for the year, the entire year, and and we haven't even finished the winter season, so. What a great blessing this is, and, and I, I thank my Heavenly Father for, for this blessing of water. And truly, if we, would, if we truly merit the blessings from heaven, then we should never fear a water shortage in our state, ever, I don't think. Oh, so that's, that's number the one. quintessential point. So let me just say this. Imagine this. Imagine Sam Bushman's a super faithful, righteous person that obeys God completely. Now, I know that's that's far from the truth. I'm a, I'm a sinner like everybody else, but I'm just making a point here. And let's say that they had a water shortage because the dam broke and it melted down. The government's all in there, control mechanisms, controlling everybody. But then I want to just put a bunch of barrels out around my house, and I want to go ahead and pray for rain. And let's say that the Lord lets it rain on my ground only. Mm-hmm. The Lord could do that, right? Yeah. Now, I got a bunch of barrels of water. Now, are the government going to be able to take my water? 
Yeah. Well, right now, by law, they tried to say that you couldn't even capture government rainwater uh, in your barrels. I remember the guy that ran uh, um, the Miller car dealerships or whatever else and stuff like that. The son, he tried to capture water to wash his cars, and they tried to tell him he couldn't capture that water because it was Uh government water, not his water. See, and this is what I'm getting at. Back off a little bit. Let's not just give government more control in emergencies. Let's find out how to avoid the emergency in the first place. And it's not by saying this and this and this and this and this order or that and whatever. It's about qualifying for God's blessings. Farmers have done this for thousands of years without this bill, Lowell. Well, and that's part of the genesis of this bill, Sam. You'll be interested to know that commercial agriculture are the ones that are championing this bill. They're they're the ones that were pushing it because they don't want to suffer damage. You know, like if there's a water shortage so that they can't water their crops and their crops fail, they they can't sell, they want to be held harmless, right? And so this bill appropriates $10 million into a fund, a revolving loan fund that basically if, if, so if we hurt, so if a water shortage uh, happens and the agricultural farmer is hurt, so he, he, his, he loses his crops, then we will, the, the state will pay him money out of this uh, $10 See, now stop. Fund. Why would I do that? We don't have water, and I'm struggling to get a drink, and I'm going to owe the farmers money? Are we off yep, our yep. rocker, people? That's exactly what this bill does, Sam. It's just crazy. It's insane. Talk. It's insane. It's got to be stopped, my fellow Americans. When we get back, we're going to talk about minors, access to social media. Oh, we're, oh, man, these topics all run this incredible thread about liberty versus tyranny and who has what control when and who uh, can delegate what to whom, why, right? Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org in seconds on your radio. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. 
The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Lowell Nelson with me, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about God-given rights, how much authority we delegate to government, what the role of government is in our very lives, ladies and gentlemen. That's really what we're talking about, whether it's land and property rights versus your health rights versus your privacy versus water. Uh, relating to uh, all kind of things. Now, what about the media, Lowell? Yeah, social media in particular. There are two bills in the Utah legislature about regulating social media. One is Senate Bill 152, Social Media Regulation Amendment, and the other is House Bill 311, Social Media Usage Amendment. Now, these bills are nearly identical, but one started in the House and the other started in the Senate. <clears throat> These bills would require social media companies to identify children and adults in Utah and to store sensitive information about them. Now, Senate Bill 152 received a favorable recommendation in the Senate Business Committee last Wednesday. House Bill 311 received a favorable recommendation in the House Judiciary Committee last Friday. So these bills are on the way. I mean, these are going to be considered. They're going to be voted on by the entire chamber, and I am not excited about them at all. Utah Grassroots makes this comment, quote, we believe that parents should re regulate their children's access to social media as their best judgment dictates, and that government and businesses should respect parental wishes in this regard, and end of quote. So, I mean, and that's really the answer that I have. I think parent. this is a question for parents. It's not a question for government, and I'd like to answer that by asking the question, do I have the moral authority, Sam, to, pre to prevent you from allowing one of your minor children onto a social media platform? Right? Absolutely not, sir. No way. Then neither does the government. Why? Because the government cannot exercise authority that citizens themselves do not possess. So these bills by the way, are being pushed by the Biden administration to protect the children, as they say. But this legislation really is being pushed in seven other states this year because it is promoted by the National Governors Association, the NGA, which also is promoted by the World Economic Forum. This is, this is a world, this is a globalist effort, and it's showing up right here in Utah, and it might be in your state, too. I know this, this Internet show goes all over the country, Sam. It might be in your state as well. They want you, as an adult, to submit your government-issued ID, which it connects you to a social media account. And that way, they could then attach a social credit score to you because of your association with that social media account. It's another form of surveillance, Sam. It's, it's electronic surveillance, and uh, they want you to be a side you know, to a social media platform so that they can, you know, give you a score and control your behavior 
be, you know, just based on, on what you say on a, on a social media account or what your child says on the social media account. We need more people in the legislature voting no on all these bills, Sam. And I'm going to come right back to my statements all along this whole hour because we're talking about principles and we're talking about a theme. Why does the government think that they need to decide about social media? and what social media private companies can do, and what me and my family and my children can do. See, the government has no business even being involved in that at all. Now, if criminal activity happens, that's a different matter. See, there's already laws on the books. There's already laws in place. There's already uh, issues related to minors. Most minors can't get an ID until they're 16, for instance. Um, So all I'm telling you is that I don't know why we have to even have the government involved in this. Who comes up with this clown show stuff? (laughs) <laughs> Good question, Sam. Well, the World Economic Forum in this case. Well, then we should certainly be rejecting it because the World Economic Forum has no jurisdiction in the United States of America, a.k.a. the Constitution, the supreme law of the land, uh, and we need to protect ourselves from enemies foreign and domestic. And foreign means the World Health or the World Economic Forum. Domestic means these bureaucrats that are trying to carry the ball for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sam. But they've got designs for you. Now, speaking of electronic surveillance, Sam, do you remember our discussion several weeks ago about the 15-minute city in Oxford, England? <laughs> well, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a whacked-out thing. That's for sure, too. The Oxfordshire County Council decided to divide the city of Oxford into six 15-minute districts. And in these districts, it is said, most household essentials will be accessible by a quarter of an hour walk or bike ride so residents will have no need for a car, no need for an automobile. Well, citizens of Oxford will be given 100 passes each year to leave their districts to go to another part of town, for example. And how will this be enforced? Well, by electronic surveillance, of course, electronic fences, license plate readers, surveillance cameras. Now, if you leave without permission, you will be fined, jailed, or both, and your social credit score will take an appropriate beating. Now, you don't, do you think this won't happen here? Huh. Well, think again. Utah is planning one such metropolis at the point of the mountain. It is called The Point, Utah. And you can read all about it at thepointutah.org. I just looked over the website last night in detail. They want us out of our cars, Sam. Just listen to them gush about this. Quote, Widely recognized as one of the most important economic opportunities in state history, the point consists of 600 acres of state-owned land that will be built into Utah's innovation community. The new community will foster innovation and technological advancement, provide parks and open space, support economic growth, and enhance Utah's quality of life. The first phase of development will serve as a catalyst for the site. Located at the heart of the site, it is reflective of Utah's vision. It includes a pedestrian priority area, a central park, a regional trail connection, transit-oriented development, a balanced mix of jobs, housing, retail, shopping, entertainment, and so much more. End of quote. Don't you just want to pull up stakes and move there immediately right now, Sam? Absolutely not. Now, it's called Utah's Innovation Community. That's how they want you to believe this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I just pray Utahns aren't socialist and communist enough 
to embrace it. But sadly, I bet they will be. Yeah. Here's another telling paragraph from the website. Quote, the point is owned by all Utahns. Because of this, Utahns will continue to have meaningful opportunities to participate in planning the site. We are committed to working closely with local communities, businesses, organizations, and other stakeholders to ensure the best outcomes. End of quote. Did you ever get asked about what you thought ought to be at the point, Sam? Uh, no. And if it's my uh, property, then I think we ought to sell it off to private owners and give up the project. So uh, is is my vote able to uh, push for that? Yeah, I wish. To me, it sounds like the Plymouth Plantation, Sam. Government-owned property. Everybody owns this, this same property, property held in common. And you know what happened at the Plymouth Plantation, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody almost starved. I guess there wasn't enough food. You want to know why there wasn't enough food? Because nobody wanted to grow food. You want to know why nobody wanted to grow food? Because they thought they were going to get a free ride. Oh, man, now we're almost back to the water discussion and the, every other discussion on the planet. <laughs> Same deal, folks. Principles are principles. You turn to God, not government, and things go well. You're self-reliant and hardworking, and, and you do your very best to be um, to live providently. And trust in God and things go well. You turn to government, you start to get lazy, and everything goes south. That's where they're headed with this uh, bogus idea uh, from the get-go. The sad part is it's well underway, sir. Oh, it began in 2014 and 15 and 16. They have a timeline of all the great progress. I mean, they're bragging about this on their website. But the thing that is, 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 is obviously missing from this whole point, this 600-acre stamp, not a single word about gardens and farm animals, right? And, and if you don't have gardens and farm animals, uh, you know, on private property, if, if you if you don't own those things, then how are you going to how are you going to grow your own food, right? And 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 your own you know meat animals. And and so to me, if you don't have those things, that means you're going to be dependent on government. You're going to be dependent on on food uh, distribution chains and so forth. And if you're dependent on all of that, then your destiny is not, in, you know, in your control, right? And, and so that means that they can control you. That means eventually government can dictate how much food you get, how much water you get, whether you're allowed to live or die. And uh, I don't know. Just, to me, this is way wrongheaded thinking, and I urge all Utahns to reject this community of innovation, Sam. It's hard to know how to respond to some of these things because they are so just diabolically evil, and they're so far along that you're just shocked that we could even get there, right? <laughs> yeah. But look, Daybreak was a similar community, not as far along in the socialist plan, but it had a lot of the same principles, and this started with covenants uh, on your land. Well, by golly, we can't have Sam move in and build a shack on and near uh, Lowell's very nice home and stuff like that. And so it started out kind of a, a, this benevolent idea that's like, oh, man, uh, what we've done is we've gone, again, you give government an inch, it takes a mile. Uh, you give uh, socialism a little bit of room, and, and, and it just grows out of control. Most people are like, well, hey, I don't want, oh, well, you just take Steph Curry, this uh, NBA player. Him and his wife have been promoting the homeless and the downtrodden and the needy and for a long time as their advocates. Well, now some folks are trying to build some low-rent housing near their mansion, and they're rioting, going, wait a minute, not by my house. 
<laughs> if that doesn't call the kettle black or, or kind of prove uh, the point of, um, you know, this, this uh, oh, what's it called? Um, critical, um, uh, let's see, hypocrite kind of an idea. I don't know what does. And that's kind of where we are. We've gone too far. And we need cool heads to prevail and wake up. But I don't see it. I don't believe that most people are opposed to this. They're like, wow, that's an incredible new community. But it'll be big money to join it, too, won't it? Yeah, I imagine. I imagine, Sam. I mean, you're going to know nothing, but you're going to be happy. That's what this community sounds like to me. There's no way we can stop it, is there? No, it's well on its way. I don't know. I just uh, state-owned property, so how do you buy it? If they won't sell it, you know, can't buy it. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to live there, but uh, I I bet there will be a lot of people excited to be there. They'll move right in and think life is good. I've got everything I need within 15 minutes walk, and, you know, here we go. So. All right, really quick, give us a 30-second on Bill Gates. Well, we reported Bill Gates uh, saying bad things, criticizing the mRNA vaccines. Well, he's doing it now because in third quarter of 2021, he sold his holdings in BioNTech shares. They went from over a million shares down to less than 150,000 shares. He made millions and millions of dollars selling his shares of stock in BioNTech, basically the Pfizer partner for the, the, the COVID clot shots. That's what he did, Sam. Now he's bad-mouthing the mRNA vaccines, and uh, of course they should be bad-mouthed, but he didn't do that until he sold his stock and made millions of uh, dollars worth of profit, Sam. And you got to ask the question, what does he plan to abuse us with next, huh? God save the republic. <laughs>